All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and I don't know what to say. I'm Mary, I'm a marketer, and today I had the pleasure of introducing Missy to the great video of Spider-Man, the animatronic in Spider-Man, Avengers Campus, that is supposed to fling himself over buildings, but uh, flies into a wall instead. (laughs) <laughs> and it was great watching her laugh at that and everyone should go google it and watch it i was just at disneyland and i'm very upset because i went with the intent to be like fall into that wall because it's happened once before fall into that wall did not fall on the wall next day falls into the wall <laughs> so i'm bitter the videos are great especially when mary told me that people don't know it's an animatronic yeah, I, <laughs> so it looks, I think it looks pretty real like they if you're scared. sitting there watching it and like, if you listen to the video, people are gasping, and because um, there's a real Spider-Man, real Spider-Man that like he is real, tumbles around, and then he's like gonna go run some tests, and then you see him fling over. The test is what happens with gravity. Now listen, he's been he's been like thrown around much worse. That's true. He can he can deal. Yeah, I mean, spiders fall off of things all the time. Yeah, well, and he like gets in the movies gets like thrown into walls. Yeah, all he's the time. fine. And he's into the fine. ground. Yeah. He's had way worse happen. It's true. Um, I Mary made me at gunpoint. <laughs> no, not really. Um, we went and saw Men, the movie. I just needed somebody the else Alex besides Garland. my husband to experience it with me. This is not a good movie. No. It's not. But I will say it was interesting and I enjoyed watching it, but it's not good and uh, I don't recommend it. Um. I mean, I don't, unless you're like me and you just fucking love folk horror, it's like... It, I would say if you like the aesthetics of yeah. folk horror, I don't know that it is... It does, it's not saying anything. Well, It is. It's, it's trying to, but it's not getting there. It's doing it poorly. So this movie is about a woman who... And this is a... It happens in the first five seconds of the movie, but it is also kind of a spoiler because... What's really happening is not revealed until later. So if you want to see men, which I do not recommend, skip forward a little bit. Uh, It's about this woman who uh, was planning to file for a divorce from her husband, um, but he dies by falling out a window, whether it was intentional or accidental. It's kind of unclear. I think it's just like the rest of the movie, something you make up, you decide yeah, for yourself. It's me- I think it's meant to be ambiguous. But so she books a trip to this like whole ass like English manor. Yeah. She's um, rich. Where, or, you know, that good, good uh, insurance money. Yeah. So she goes to stay in this isolated English village um, where she's met by like the B&B owner who's this silly man named Jeffrey Um, and uh, things start to get really weird from there she starts seeing naked men around um, and that's just the least of her problems so this is by Alex Garland who's the director of Ex Machina and Annihilation who I of his movies that I have seen I like them and then at the end I go "Mm Mm. that gif of Larry David like shrugging like that's it that's how I feel about the ends of his movies because I feel like he needs somebody with him yeah he needs somebody with like he needs to be a pair this man took Roland Barthes too seriously (laughs) much like the hero's journey Joseph Campbell it is not meant to be a blueprint by which you write stories death of the author is not meant to be a fucking blueprint the problem with this movie to me there's a few one of the main here's here's the good stuff about this movie I believe her name is Jessie Buckley acting choice yeah great job costuming excellent Mm -hmm, set mm -hmm. design incredible cinematography wonderful Uh, the like feel of it, the eeriness, of, the like, eeriness, the, very spooky and delicious. Seeing like the the naked man just show up, it's really it's, like really creepy. The when it's understated like that, exceptionally well done. The creepy scene in the tunnel, 
Very, very good. Yeah. When he tries to say anything about masculinity, stop. Just, just shut up. It's so, it's not even 101. It's 100. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I think his heart is in the right place. And I like, I hate to say this kind of thing, but it really feels like peak capital M capital F male feminist yeah. in that like, bro, I get it. Like, I understand where you're coming from, but like, do you not see that part of the problem is that you're a man telling the story about like female trauma with no input from a woman? I think for me, like when I watched it, it's it really pulls me out when they have the whole situation, like with the cop and he's like, well, he's not really stalking you. You only saw him twice where like women often have that situation, right? Where like someone is stalking them, but you, like I only saw them twice. Mm-hmm. Well, then is that stalking? And it feels like he kind of like had that flip like switch and be like, oh, yeah, that is fucked up, right? Where he's like so late to the party that it yeah. just becomes like... Duh. It's the thing is, it's not that men can't or shouldn't tell stories like this. It's that, like, I expect it's 2022, baby. We have the internet. Like, I expect some level of, like, beyond Tumblr circa 2012. You know, like, it was just, it was really shallow. And, like, it's not that it's not true. You know, like, it's not like this doesn't I mean, this literally probably doesn't happen. But like the the things that he's saying about like um, toxic masculinity and like the the ways that like toxic masculinity begets itself Mm -hmm. and how it manifests. Like, that's all like he's not wrong about it. It's just like, why are you telling this story this way? I feel like if this movie was made in 2000, 2001, it would have been received differently because we yeah. weren't having this. These conversations wouldn't have already be, been had. Like these conversations that he's bringing up have already been had and you're not digging any further into it. Yeah. It's just like, I know, buddy. <laughs> I Like, I know. Well, and but for me, part of it I did enjoy this movie. I liked it. I, I enjoyed good time. it. I had a good time. And for me, because it was so like feminism 100, it didn't feel like a movie for me, but that was okay. It felt like a movie for children. <laughs> for, well, for me, it kind of felt like a movie for... Un- don't take your kids to see this no, movie. <laughs> it felt like a movie for uninformed men, which made me really happy, not because they'll be getting like this, this crazy, like this, this idea, but because they'll be for this is huge spoilers. And like part of what I did not want to talk about because I needed this to be a surprise. I wanted men to go into that and then have to watch other men consistently give birth to human men, mm-hmm. like full on getting a vagina, birthing out of the vaginal canal. Like I'm like, Yes. I, like, I, I was sitting in the theater the first time. I was like, yes, this is what I want men to watch. Because mm-hmm. it's so fucked up and weird. And I was just like, yeah, it didn't feel like a movie for me. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But for the people it did feel like a movie for who might benefit from what's saying, yeah, watch this fucked up shit. I just don't know if it's ever going to hit that audience. Like, I know that there's like a whole segment of like A24 bros, uh-huh. but I also feel like they they already think they know. I guess that's true. Like, I feel like this is a capital M, capital F male feminist yeah. talking to other capital M, capital F male feminists. I just want, yeah, I just, that part was just so fucked up and weird that I just was like, yeah, I want all men to watch this. Yeah. Just I, the scene, not necessarily the movie, but I did enjoy the movie. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie overall. And I think it's one of those things where like, I don't think that it, it didn't have to be bad I think the execution not even the execution I think the story was bad it there really there really wasn't a story I think that article you sent me about the guy who wrote Annihilation <laughs> hit every point Jeff Vandermeer fucking roasted this movie and it was, it was great it, well it was good because it really pointed out that this movie is truly about nothing yeah and it is it is just like this looks cool there were parts of it that I thought were really effective I thought the the part where she and her husband, well, her husband hits her and then she starts hitting him and pushing him to get out of the apartment because she's afraid of him. I thought that was very effective. I thought, especially right now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the part, um, there was another part I thought was effective. What was it? Oh, in Jeff Vandermeer's review, he talks about the fact that like he says, why doesn't she leave? And I thought that was interesting because I 
I don't disagree. It doesn't make sense for her to stay there when she is being stalked and threatened. And her friend's, her friend's insistence that she stay there because you need this is flimsy. But why don't you leave is a really interesting question yeah. to ask of a woman who has just been abused staying in a situation where she is threatened by men. Yeah. I don't I don't know. And I would argue that Alex Garland probably was not thinking about that when he when he wrote the movie. But the fact that Jeff Vandermeer asked the question in the review I was like, huh, that's interesting that you took that. Like, why did she stay? Why didn't she leave? Yeah. And I think I would agree. I don't think that he was really thinking about that because I I think that he was leaning more into is this real? Is it not real? And can you escape it if it's not real? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it wasn't necessarily a commentary of like, why do women, women not leave abusive? It's more like, can you escape the unreal mm-hmm. or the real? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't good. I will say it was it not, wasn't. It was not good. Um, but I am sure a hoe for folk horror. Yeah, I really, I, I enjoyed watching it. It just, like, it just wasn't well all, executed. All the imagery was there. All like it, it like I'm, I when you just wanted to just be like, I could do that better. It really felt like he watched a bunch of folk horror that's been really popular. He was like, I can do that. Yeah, I. It just like it didn't have to not be good. <laughs> I think. A stronger story is what it needed. The acting was great. Like, it looked beautiful. It looked beautiful. And there is some uncanny, there's some serious uncanny valley special effects. Yeah. Which, like, it's easy to have it take you right out of the movie. But I actually thought that was really effective because it throws you immediate, immediately into, like, Ugh. yeah. Like, it, it immediately puts you, like, out of your comfort zone and you're like that doesn't seem that doesn't look real and i'm and i think like that's kind of the point yeah is that it's supposed to look fucked up and like not correct um if you've seen it you know what i mean if you haven't seen it then that what i just said is probably giving you the incorrect assumption about what i'm talking about (laughs) if you know you know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it was not good um i don't recommend it but I did enjoy watching it and talking about it afterwards. Yes. And that's what I like. I immediately was like, I need Missy to watch this because I want to have a conversation because I think it is a good, like it, it, I think there's a good conversation to have there, whether or not he really meant for those conversations to be had. I don't know, but it's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a mess. Uh, But I will say while watching the movie, that was probably the horror movie protagonist who did the most stupid shit that I would do, (laughs) like wearing my little fucking pretty dress into the woods and (laughs) looking around at all the plants like, oh, how magical. (laughs) That's me. That's me in a horror movie. Would you sing into a cave? No, I wouldn't because I don't want to hear myself sing. For a good part of it, like the beginning, I was like, is this about fucking fairies? Yeah. And I think think that that's intentional. I think that like, so one of my favorite parts of the movie is that uh, early in the movie, she goes into the woods and you can see the trail that she goes down. It's like not super clearly marked, but it's clearly marked for the audience. There's like some stakes in the ground that you can see. So she, she goes down the path and then she sees a scary sight and she comes back and she goes too far. She misses the path, but the camera is situated so that the audience knows that she has missed the path. If the audience is paying enough attention, Um, she goes further down the path and it to her, like from her perspective, it's like she has gone in a loop Mm -hmm. and the world has like almost progressed in time. Like a lot of time has passed. She ends up going through like some old ruins and that's where she sees the first naked man. Um, I thought that was really effective because mm-hmm. if you put your, like from, from the audience's perspective, all she's done is walked too far, but from her perspective, everything has changed mm-hmm. that I thought was really cool. And that was really reminiscent of like, um, like a classic fairy story and mm-hmm. that she like crosses a threshold. Um, like she literally goes under a hill. Right. Yeah. That's then, why I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And then she comes out into a world that she sees as different. Um, I thought that was really effective. It's just like, where did it go? No, I was really nowhere. I was just, I was just really sad. I was like, this is not about fairies. No. Um, it's about men. Especially cause there was all like the, the, um, 
reflections and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely was like, is she in a different world? And I don't think you're... She can be and she can't be. Yeah. And that, to me... I love... I've grown to really love an ambiguous ending. But this one... um, His intent to truly not make a definitive statement failed me. I, like... I want to know if he knows <laughs> is the thing. If he knows, great. But like, does he know? I don't know. It's- I could see him purposely not allowing himself to know so that the audience gets a true authentic feel. Yeah, that's one of the things is that he, he cut the ending down from a more definitive ending. And so like, I think he seriously did cut the end of the movie before you could, you could really decipher yeah. the ambiguity. And I think that hurts the story being told. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting and I thought about it a lot, but I don't ultimately I don't know if there's anything really being said when the friend comes eventually and she's pregnant. I thought that was super interesting, but I'm like, I don't think he's saying anything besides like, and she's pregnant. I like I have theories about what's going on there because like she has a uh <laughs> the word that came to mind was ambidextrous. She has a uh what's the word I'm looking for? Androgynous. Androgynous. She has an androgynous androgynous name. Her name is Riley. Yeah. Um she looks a little androgynous. She looks a little androgynous. Her or at the very least, she's not made up and she doesn't look like extremely feminine. Mm-hmm. Which um, the, the actress does in real yeah. life. Um and then she shows up and she's pregnant. And I think that it's kind of speaking toward the main character's like fears yeah. about motherhood about um even womanhood how she sees herself that kind of thing it's just there's so many parts there that could have been really good yeah i just i don't think that alex garland like i said i think this movie would have been a lot better if alex garland had worked with a woman on the story yeah i don't think that men should not be allowed to tell stories like this but i also think that they should be aware of their own biases and hopefully have the foresight to bring a woman on to like help you know i don't think it's impossible for men to tell a good story about and it's possible for women to fuck it up too oh absolutely so <laughs> that's not that's not gonna make sure he no. makes a good movie no 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 um, the actress she was an executive producer yeah it's just uh i don't i don't know i think he thinks the story is much smarter than it actually is that seems like his his mo for a lot of his movies yeah like i watched this movie and i was like yeah i know yeah. When you look up, I was looking up his Wikipedia and you see like his family history. You're like, oh, he definitely thinks he's smart. Like his grandparents won like a Nobel Peace Prize. His parents are like. Um, One's a psychoanalyst yeah. and the other one was a English professor. I think an English, like a very renowned English professor. Yeah. And I was like, he definitely thinks he knows more than he does. Yeah. It's just like, like, like I've said, I liked the movie. I enjoyed watching it. I don't think it's good. But like, much like this is the meanest comparison I can possibly make. But I'm going to do it anyway. Much like Sucker Punch, <laughs> it's a movie that gets my like creative mind going more so than the movie itself yeah. deserves. I, I totally, <laughs> and that's why I wanted to see it with people because I'm just like, there's. Well, I need. I just need to be watched with me. Someone needs to watch this with me because, like, there's. I want to talk about it, but the conversations I would have with my husband aren't necessarily the same, same conversations I want to ha- like would have with like my friends. There's, yeah. Like he ended the movie and thought that she was happy, mm-hmm. and I was like, ooh, I really didn't see that. Yeah. I really, I saw that as she being like, well, fuck. (laughs) My life's fucked now, I guess. Yeah. And that's not happy to me. Yeah. It was something. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Uncanny Valley, I watched. I think there's men fan fiction. Oh, please look it up. I will. You you carry on. Um, I watched Rescue Rangers. I actually watched this a while ago, but I forgot to talk about it, and I do want to talk about it. So there's a new Rescue Rangers, Chippendale, out on Disney+. And my husband, for some reason, was like, I can't wait to watch this. I want to watch it. We watched it the day it fucking came out. <sighs> Let me tell you, that shit was way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, first of all, it's a Disney movie, but they got characters from all different companies, like, ugly sonics in there with his teeth like they make jokes about his teeth like the whole premise is chip and dale are older uh i can't remember which one got the cg um surgery to make him not like 
how the old cartoons look, but like how a new cartoon would look, um, all CG'd out. And um, he's on the convention circuit doing conventions with like ugly Sonic in his teeth. I do not see any fan fiction for men. But I guess you're going to have to write it. I have to write it. Um, And there's just like, there's Shrek stuff in there. All this stuff that I, when I looked it up and like the the guy was like our lawyers were working 24 7 through this entire thing to get the rights to have all these characters put into this movie um so the premise of the movie is um they're they're older they've disbanded um one of them is doing the convention circuit and the other one is working as like an accountant and he has a he has a dog but it's like a real life dog (laughs) it's very cute um and then their friend the one of the, the mouse guy, the big guy, he, <laughs> I can't remember his name. The mouse guy, the big guy, Mickey Mouse. Not Mickey Mouse. It's not. Anyways. Um, Ricky Rat. He has developed an addiction to stinky cheese mm-hmm. and he is deep in debt about the stinky cheese and he has mobsters after him and he's like please come help me and they're like uh and then he gets kidnapped and they're like we gotta help him he's our friend we gotta help him um and then you also find out the girl from the from the old show she's the pilot she marries the fly um which is very weird um and they have little fly babies and um they they find out that there's this whole underground like stinky cheese um and like other paraphernalia like business going on and if you can't pay they kidnap you and they surgically change you just enough where they can sell you to like businesses outside the country and make like just changed enough copies of like Aladdin and Cinderella or, or like Aladdin. Yeah, like Aladdin. Um and th- and that's how you have to repay them. So you this whole new surgery where like something has changed about you slightly. Uh, I think Flounder was in there and Flounder's changed just slightly to make a mermaid, a little mermaid movie f- in a different country. Um and it's wild. It is not it is it is uh, animated as well as it's like live action humans. Um, it has twists and turns. It is for kids, but it's really not for kids. Like there's some jokes in there that like no kid's going to get. There's really weird like meta jokes like um, Seth Rogen plays a character, but then he does the Seth Rogen laugh and it's clear they're making a, a joke about that it's Seth Rogen and they're, and he's doing the Seth Rogen laugh as he's playing a different character. <laughs> like, it's just really bizarre and weird. And um, John Mulaney and what's his name? Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg played Chip and Dale. And you know what? It was really fucking good. <laughs> I was good. I wanted to take a picture. Well, my husband actually wanted me to take a picture with Chip and Dale at uh, California Adventure, but the line was too long. Um, but, you know, I really liked it. <laughs> I loved the Rescue Rangers growing up. I watched all the movies and um I thought it was great. So I just I think it was made for it was it was it was pure nostalgia. It was pure nostalgia. All it was is like 24/7. You know how like erotica is just 24/7 sex? This is tw- <laughs> this is nostalgia erotica. Like just absolute <laughs> nostalgia the whole that's what's carrying it along. Um they go into the underground like deep area and it's like it's literally like uncanny valley people walking around it's really weird um and they like make references to that and it's just bizarre it's bizarre and weird and if you want a good time i highly suggest it (laughs) unless you don't like that nostalgia likeness of movies like if you hate movies that really rely on nostalgia which is totally fair i don't like a lot of them but this one just it's just fun and it's not serious but it's still like I'm watching a children's movie where a guy gets addicted to stinky cheese and gets kidnapped by the mob who wants to surgically change him. Like, it's kind of fucked up. Um, But in a great way. I enjoyed it. I'm deep in looking at, like, random ass fanfics now. And I have, there's one, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover fanfiction. It is a Hannibal crossover. Oh, my gosh. Uh, speaking of Jeff Vandermeer, um, I read Acceptance, which, which is the third book in the Southern Reach trilogy, the one that begins with Annihilation. Um, this is a really hard book to explain and to explain my feelings about. Um, I liked it and I'm glad I read it. Can I tell you what happened in 90% of the book? No, I don't know. 
it's split between, I think, four perspectives and four different time periods. Hmm. If I remember, it might be three. One follows Saul, the lighthouse keeper, uh, and that is set prior to the events of Annihilation. Another follows Ghost Bird. Yeah, there's four. Another follows Ghost Bird and Control. Ghost Bird, I think, is the protagonist where she appears in the second book. I think Control is actually the protagonist of the second book. Um, and Control works for the Southern Reach. Ghost Bird, this is a spoiler, is a, we'll call her a clone <laughs> of the biologist who is the protagonist of the first book. Um, and also of the movie. She is a clone with many of the same memories, but different. Uh, then there is the perspective of the director who runs the Southern Reach. Another spoiler, the director is the psychologist from Annihilation. Um, and then there is a fourth perspective from Control himself, if I remember, yeah, from Control, which is parallel to ghost birds section. The director's section is in second person because why not? (laughs) Um, So yeah, there's a lot going on and this is kind of giving context. The Saul section like gives context to like what it was like when area X came to be, I guess is the best way to describe it. It takes place. It takes place before area X and the shimmer, but it, um, you can see where it's going, is the, is what I'll say. Um, the sections about Ghost Bird give some much-needed closure to the story of the biologist. That was the best part, in my opinion. It, like, it, it was really good. Um, still super weird. Like, I can explain what happened to the biologist, but you would be like, what? It's like, again, spoilers... She becomes like a moving mountain or something, and her husband's an owl. Maybe <laughs> I can't like I can I can tell you what happened, but it doesn't explain it. Um, but yeah, I am not a hundred percent sure what was going on at any given moment in this book. But I really enjoyed reading it. Like there are no other books like the Southern Reach trilogy. Like there's just nothing else like it. And even though I wasn't sure what was going on at any given moment, I was like, this is an experience. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I like it. Um, I think, I I think it would have benefited from reading it closer to uh, authority. I think I would have been better off having read it closer to authority and definitely closer to annihilation. Cause I haven't read annihilation since like pre pandemic. Oh, yeah. It's got to be like five or six years wow. since I've read it, <laughs> except uh, Annihilation, I think. It, I definitely read it a while ago. Um, I might be overestimating. But uh, so I, I was kind of confused about what was going on. Annihilation is still my favorite of the trilogy. I would say probably Annihilation and then Acceptance and then Authority. And that's pretty much how most people feel about it. A lot of people didn't really like the second book. I thought it was fine. Um, it just it was no Annihilation. That's for sure. <laughs> Annihilation is like one of the strangest books I've ever read and I adored it. Like it's j- like it gets under your fucking skin and you j- <laughs> and things get under people's skins literally and <laughs> it's so good. It's just so good. Um the the third one was pretty good. Uh it's just you know if you know you know. <laughs> That's all you can say about about this series. Um if you like deeply weird shit, this is for you. This is for you. <laughs> um, I read The Echo Wife. Oops, by... I forgot something. That's okay. Oh, you just do it next. Yeah. I read The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey, um, who wrote uh, Magic for Liars. Um, Missy was like, you should read The Echo Wife. I've heard it's good. Uh, spoilers, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite books I've read all year. Um, the story is about a woman who you find out she's um, getting a divorce from her husband, and she's also a very prolific scientist who has learned how to not, not cl- like, grow, like, clone people, um, based, like, and, like, grow them into, like, full-fledged, like, adult humans. Um, and so she wins all these awards. And then you find out pretty early on that her husband has actually stolen her work 
because he's like not as smart as her, but he's still doing the same work. He's stolen her work to make a clone of her and then leaves her to marry the clone. And you find out that like, um, so this is going to be jam packed with spoilers because I can't talk about this without spoiling a lot of it. Um, the clone, you accidentally um, kills the husband and come to find out she like she has to go help like essentially cover this up because if if she doesn't he will it will be found out that he had done this and it's like major major like legal issues to be had here because he's made a person the whole deal was like she was supposed to make people or things to use essentially like in war um just absolutely also fucked up but to have made somebody essentially i mean essentially kind of like a sex slave i mean like a slave is really what she was is like really really bad and a lot of legal issues so she's like if this is found out i could be shut down so she's like i have to help you figure this out come to find out he programmed into the clone like she has to go to bed at eight o'clock she cannot stay up any later she cannot fall asleep before she has to go to bed at eight o'clock she has to always put other like his needs before her anyone else's needs before her to the point where it starts like driving her crazy and she's actively trying to not do that and she can't because he has he has literally programmed her to do these things he programmed her to want to be a housewife to want to have like all she wants is a baby because you find out that um the original wife did get pregnant she got an abortion and he did not want her to get an abortion he wanted her to quit her job and be a stay-at-home mom while he continued to be a scientist even though she was way smarter than him and had a way better career and she continued to be like an actual like practicing scientist while he, while he decided to be a um professor and um so it's kind of like this dynamic between her helping this clone who literally was built to replace her and like really fighting the urge to be just kind of cruel to her but also like sympathetic because she it's not her fault that she was programmed to like replace her and and like be everything that she is but different in order to like please the husband like she's programmed to be smart smart enough to help him like brainstorm things but not smart enough to figure them out um and it's just they decide to uh the best way to fix this is to clone him and make a new one and just have him act like everything is fine and the clone helps do this and it's like it gets kind of like nasty because like he he broke his collarbone so they have to break his collarbone and he had like a really bad cut they have to do that they have to do all these things and they have like one chance to do it and everything and let me tell you sarah gailey can make a really good bad person like just absolute (laughs) trash magic for liars the character was not very good this one 10 times worse absolutely horrific person (laughs) just a bad 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 person that's one of the things i like about their writing oh my gosh they're able to make like the end of this the end of this book i literally was gasping like i cannot believe this here i like major spoiler for the very end of the book like this just this just i'm only saying this because i know missy has a million things to read (laughs) and i know she won't read this for a while and i want to talk about it come to find out so she they make the clone And she's like, all right, you know, they had been like sleeping in the same bed and like back to back to each other and like kind of created this like almost codependency. And then they finally make the new husband and she and the clone is like, well, I'm pregnant. Like, oh, and she wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant. Like it was supposed to be like impossible for her to be pregnant. That's part of the technology. So for him to have her be able to get pregnant was like the biggest thing the biggest reason that that could not get out because she should not have been able to get pregnant because they don't even know what's going to happen. Like they don't know what's going to happen with the baby when the baby comes out. Um, And so she's like, well, I'm going to go live with this husband who she still doesn't really trust because she accidentally killed him because um, she started asking questions and he's like, he essentially flipped on her and was about to kill her. So she killed him. So she's living with the clone. And then she went to go like, she likes to garden because she's been programmed to like to garden. She went to go dig up something and uh, found another clone. Oh. And then another. And then another. <laughs> and then another. And an, like there were 12 total. And I don't know why I thought this was a book about mermaids. <laughs> Maybe echolocation. 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe Sarah Gailey has another book about mermaids. Maybe I'm I would read of it. That. I would fucking read it. And like you come to find out he's just been making these clones. Because in the in the beginning, the original wife is like, I can't believe he did this. Like he's smart, but he is not smart enough to do this. And you find out some other things that he was able to do to be able to do it. Um, and then come to find out he really wasn't able to do it. He just kept trying and then when they when they didn't do what he needed even just to, even to the point of just like asking questions about what like how and why they were made he kills them and it's just wild so she calls the original wife she's like you gotta help me blah 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 blah. like we got it we have to kill this one she's like you can't kill him he didn't do anything well he is the original he's based off of the the original husband so like what do you mean he did? it's like this really like philosophical question of like he's a clone but he didn't do anything but all of his memories and everything about him is based off of the original only slightly tweaked to be less aggressive less rude and things like that um and then what makes this book so good is in the end she goes to she and the and the original clone she decides like you have to run away and you can't bring your baby or because they use one of the clones to make it look like she killed herself and the husband now has to take care of the baby by himself which he can't do because he's an idiot so he goes to the original wife and is like you have to take care of this baby and she's like, all right, I'll make you a deal for a month. Like we get the, I get the baby. And then one week out of each month, you can come and you can take the baby for a week. And that's all you get. That's the deal. And he's like, yeah, totally cool. Well, she's living with the clone wife and the baby in their house. And she essentially is living the husband's life. She, the, the clone helps her with her research, but doesn't figure things out. She does the laundry. She makes sure that she's fed. Like she's just doing all these things. And like, it's just so good. Cause you're like, the husband was bad, but so is the wife. Like she's just doing what, what he was doing too. Like they're bad. They're just so bad. It was just so good. It was so good. I cannot, I cannot. I hope if you plan to read this, you didn't get this far because all that stuff is just so wild. Um, it was really good. I loved it. I love this book so much. Nice. Um, I watched the movie The Final Girls. Uh, now I watched this like the night that we recorded our last episode, our last what we've been up to. So I'll do my best to sum it up. But this is sort of an indie horror comedy about a girl whose mother starred in a um, like campy horror summer camp slasher film, like akin to like sleepaway camp or something like that. She was she didn't star in it, but she was one of the people in it. Um, and she played the final girl, if I remember correctly. Um, the <laughs> then the girl, the main girl's mother, the actress, dies in a car accident, leaving her daughter on her own and um she ends up getting invited to a screening of the uh of the horror movie that her mother was in as sort of like a special guest and through a series of strange coincidences she and several other people end up transported inside of the movie so they are now inside of the campy horror film um they are different degrees of genre savvy um and yeah, it was quite silly. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny at times. Uh, the tone was kind of wild because on the one hand, you have like this extremely silly premise. And then you also have this girl desperately trying to save her mother, who isn't actually her mother. She's the character trying to save the character so that she... Oh, no, I think she, uh, she wasn't the final girl. Sorry. The other girl was the final girl. Um... She was the one who she was the the one who loses her virginity and then dies for having sex. That was her archetypal role in this horror film. Um, so she's like, this is the first time she's seen her mother since she died. <laughs> so she's like trying to like, you know, resolve those feelings and that kind of thing with this fictional character. It was deeply weird. It was like I it wasn't like really, really good, but if you like a a kind of horror, campy horror comedy, um, then it was it was cute. Like it it was enjoyable. It wasn't like super good, but it was enjoyable. And I feel like if you just want to put on if you're in the mood for something a little silly, a little scary, um, 
this this one's pretty good. It's not as good as like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is like the horror, like one of the horror comedies to me. Tucker and Dale versus Evil is so good. Um, but it was solid. So if that's your uh, if that's your wheelhouse, it's worth checking out, in my opinion. I last one I have is um, I read a book called Baking Me Crazy by Carla Sorensen, which is a story about um, a man. He's in a family in which uh, when he sees his soul, like his soulmate, the person he's going to be with for the rest of his life, like it's the only person he can be with, like his body will go crazy, not crazy, but like he'll know like deep down inside, this is the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. And he meets her when they're younger. She, he's like, I don't know. He's probably like 19 and she's 16. Um, he, I, th- I think he's 18 and she's 16. And um, he meets her when she, he is coaching um, a basketball league. She, she's in a wheelchair because she was in a um, car accident. And so her bottom half is paralyzed and he's like, go on a date with me. And she's like, I'm not at a point where I can date. Because first of all, she's 16 and she she was in the car accident when she was 14. And and he's like 18. And so he's like, that's okay. Let's just be friends. And so for like five years, they become best friends. But he's completely in love with her. And she is just not. Like, she's straight up not. She is not. Like, she does not look at him that way. They are best friends. And um, then eventually she has never had um any feelings for anybody really i think because she's just been so caught up in her own head for so long she like clearly feels like that she has something to prove she works out a lot she's really fucking strong um well her upper body because she chooses to not really um work on being able to walk because she can walk but it'll never be like good at walking she'll she'll always like clearly need help and she hates the idea of needing help so she just doesn't do it so she compensates by making herself really fucking strong on her arms and she's like doing all kinds of exercise and they work out together a bunch and everything um she gets a job at a bakery because she likes to bake and it's so cute and she meets a guy who ends up being her physical therapist and she just loves him she just is like i love this guy he's so hot he flirted with me first he bought me a a pickle cupcake <laughs> and um like flavored or shaped like flavored i it, that would win my heart too yeah it was a whole thing like somebody it was like somebody wanted it for their for their baby shower and then they made them and they were so good that people started buying them so like once a month they'll make them and they get sold out really quickly and they're supposed to be delicious um and are so, you gonna make me a pickle cupcake now no Maybe. I don't know. What kind of friend are you? I don't know. Bob would probably like that, too. He loves pickles. Because pickles are delicious. He'll even... He's eaten a pickle with peanut butter. He likes it. I want to try it, to be honest. Maybe I'll make a peanut butter pickle cupcake. That might be going a bit too far. Let's take it. <laughs> let's take it easy here, Mary. Um. So, anyways, she really likes this guy, and much to the to the main guys, uh, dem- like he's just sad. He's just sad because he's like, this is my best friend, and I want to support her any way I can. And her whole fan, his whole family knows that she that he like that's his soulmate because they all have the same issue like forever. Um. And um. Yeah, it's just him trying to prove like. He's always kind of like held off in like making any advances because he's waiting for her to say like, I'm I'm ready for this, but she's never going to. So he's like, well, I guess I have to. And it's just a lot of like, he takes her on a date and he does all this stuff and she has a dog and the dog's so cute. And it was good. I liked it. You know, I thought it was really interesting. I didn't think it was great. Um, I thought it was, you know, friends to lovers is good. I like that, but it's not necessarily my trope. Um, but I thought it was cute. One thing that I am disappointed about it is in the book, he has a brother who lives in Seattle. And the brother is with someone who they don't like the wife. And the wife clearly doesn't like the family. And, like, they don't seem to have a very good marriage. And so there's this question of, like, is that his true love? Like, what's going on here? There was a, there's a brief mention of a woman before he left that everyone thought was his true love his soulmate but you don't know what happens and i was like oh can't wait to read that book because there's three books in the series no there's no book about him (laughs) and i'm kind of annoyed the other book is about two twins that i didn't really care about at all so i didn't read them but i'm just like what what 
that's so interesting. Tell me about this story that he married some girl that most likely isn't his his soulmate and possibly left his soulmate and to go move to Seattle. Like, tell me that story. Um, but they didn't. Uh, it, it's interesting because the he gets a job offer to go work at, um, in Seattle for the Washington Wolves NFL team. I don't know why they just couldn't say the Seahawks. <laughs> Um, and then Could be a ch- copyright thing, maybe. Um, and then I was reading, looking at a different book, who also um, had, the, I think it was by her, the Washington Wolves. And I was like, is this it? Is this is this where I get his story? No, it's totally different. It's a totally different <laughs> story. So like, I don't know. Maybe the story is out there somewhere. I just need to go look at every single one of her books, but it's not in this series. <laughs> um, I definitely read this because it was about baking, and I haven't baked anything in a long time because of a lot of reasons, and um, I just wanted something, but it didn't have as much baking in it as I wanted. Um, he does, he does, he copies it from, I think it's Stranger Than Fiction. Um, he brings her flowers. Yeah, that's Stranger Than Fiction. But it's, but it's the, you know, different types of like flower. Um, and he didn't know that she remembered that. And then she's like, oh, it's like the movie. And he's like, God damn it. That was supposed to be a really romantic gesture, which it still was. Um, he just does all these really sweet things. And it's a very sweet, happy book. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, I think I gave it like, wasn't the echo wife no i think i gave it like a three like a 2.75 like that's like that sounds bad it's not bad it's just not great didn't didn't leave a lasting no it didn't it was okay cool that's all i got i read uh cheek by jowl by ursula k Le Guin. my shameful secret is that i guess it's not really shameful it's just kind of weird i've read way more of ursula k Le Guin's. Uh, like criticism than I have of her fiction. I've only read The Left Hand of Darkness and The the Ones Who Walk Away from Omelis or Omelis. I don't actually know how that's said. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's all the Ursula Le Guin fiction I've read. Um, but I've read now quite a bit of her criticism. And what I have to say is that Ursula K. Le Guin does the best criticism. Like her analysis of fiction is so fucking good. It's just always good. In this, this one is about uh, children's literature and fantasy, and it's just a collection of like talks and essays that she's written on those topics. Um, and I loved it. I don't always agree with her, um, but I can't say that like she doesn't make a compelling argument, even when I disagree with her. Like she wasn't impressed with uh, his dark materials, um, in per- in particular because it was in the essay she was talking about animals. She wasn't impressed with the use of demons in his dark materials Mm. and like I disagreed but at the same time I'm like you know like she makes a decent point I disagree with it but she makes a decent point um there really is no like there's simply I have not read a better critic in this particular style of like very approachable analysis than Ursula K. Le Guin and she says things that like I've never thought of uh one of her really famous ones is the carrier bag theory of fiction um which is not in this collection I'm just talking about it because it's really good um also I looked it up uh Sarah Gailey has a short story about a mermaid but not a novel and I don't know where I got the idea that they had a novel about mermaids um I'm looking up I was gonna look up if if Sarah Gailey has uh the carrier bag theory of fiction is something that, uh, wow, that text is fucking tiny. Uh, so Ursula, look, this is a quote from, you know, books.google.com. Uh, in the carrier bag theory of fiction, visionary author Ursula K. Le Guin retells this, the story of human origin by redefining technology as a cultural carrier bag rather than as a weapon of domination. Um, it's a really incredible essay, and there are a lot of really incredible essays in this book, which does not include the carrier bag theory of fiction. It's just really good. Um, if you like literary criticism, which I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, there's a strong chance that you probably <laughs> do. Um, absolutely try, you know, give her uh, her criticism a shot because I think it's phenomenal. The Carrier Bag Theory of Fiction is a great one. This book, Cheek by Jowl, was very, very good. Um, if you want a short fiction recommendation, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelis is really, really, really good. Um, a lot of people talk about that one. Um, the reason I read it was because people kept referencing it and I, and it was, I was like, what are they talking about? So I finally sat down and read it and I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. (laughs) Um, yeah, she's incredible. 
Um, and I need to read more of her fiction, which I will do. I'm going to reread Left Hand of Darkness. Sarah Gailey has a book about the teens from Magic for Liars. Oh. Yeah. It's called like When Magic Goes Awry, I think is what it was. Yeah. I saw that. I didn't realize it was the same teenagers. Yeah, it's the same teenagers. I, which it's cool. I liked those teenagers. They were pretty shitty. Yeah, they were. I love a good shitty character. Um, but that's it for this episode. You can find us online at fakegeekgirlscast.com, which has links to all of our previous episodes. Uh, also a link to our Patreon, where for a small donation per month of however however many you want, you can get cool rewards. Um, if you like us, consider leaving us a review on your podcast service of choice. Uh, it warms our hearts, which are cold and frozen over, period. Uh, next time, we are going to be doing our second episode on The Matrix, covering the third well, it's complicated. Another. <laughs> We're covering the Matrix Revolutions or whatever and the Matrix Resurrections or whatever. I'm pretty sure those are the correct titles. Um, spoiler alert. I really liked the fourth one. I thought it was really fun. It suffered like most of them do from being very mushy in the middle. But the beginning and the ending, quite good, in my opinion. Um after that, we're going to be doing Pushing Daisies. I've watched 15 minutes of Pushing Daisies so far. And let me tell you, friends, it is like the sun comes out from behind a cloud when I'm watching Pushing Daisies. I love that show so fucking much. Maybe the sun will come out for it. Maybe. I can't fucking tell you. I adore Pushing Daisies more than anything else on this godforsaken earth. Um, after that, we're going to be doing what, the, what we do in the shadows. Very excited. I can't wait to get out of Teen Vampire Hill and talk about some adult vampires because it's going to be fun. And also like they're so they're so uncool. And I love that. <laughs> I love how fucking uncool the vampires of what we do in the shadows are. Like fucking you like in most vampire stories it's like oh this boring familiar Guillermo and his cool vampire pals. No. Guillermo, I love him. And he's way cooler than the vampires who are dipshits. Um, and I love them. So that's what's coming up next. Cool. Catch on the flip side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.